Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 9.30 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. (laughs) If you listen to the podcast, usually you know I'm doing this at like midnight on Sunday. Well, I uh, told myself that I deserved some downtime late Sunday night and uh, I could do it Monday morning, first thing. And I wake up on Monday to take Owen to school. If you don't know, Owen is our four-year-old. He's awesome. Uh, I get to school and I find out there is no school. It's canceled. I guess they had, um, it's a small, you know, like VPK place. And they had too many teachers that were out that day. And so I got to hang out with Owen all day, which was really cool. But also uh, it ruined my plans of doing the podcast. (laughs) So here we are Tuesday morning. Uh, So sorry for... Uh, getting it to you late. But you know, that's kind of one of the different things about how we started Different Church. Uh, We knew that we had this vision, this um, dream, you know, for a progressive type of church. And we knew that there wasn't going to be a ton of people lining up to throw a bunch of money at us to make it happen. So we had to make it happen ourselves. And to do that, that meant that while we were starting the church, and even now that the church is up and running, um, Hannah is our only full-time uh, person as of, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe like five months ago, which is amazing. We were so happy that we were able to bring her on full-time. That totally changed things for her and for the church. Uh, but uh, it's just her. Uh, I get paid like 100 bucks a week to kind of run things on Sunday and uh, make sure things are kind of running during the week. But I have my normal freelance job that I'm doing and you know, life, life happens sometimes. So sometimes I'm gonna miss a, miss a deadline and I know that you are cool with that because you understand the type of church that we are. Uh, we're just, we're making it happen and we're making it happen because you rock. Thank you so much for caring about us, for paying attention to us. Um, it just, it means the world to know that people are interested in what we're up to. And, um, actually I had this thought last Sunday when we were sitting in church, like, I can't remember exactly what happened, but maybe at the beginning of the service, Guiana was doing her intro, which is always like hilariously and adorably awkward (laughs) and like something happened and everybody in the audience laughed and they were smiling on stage. And it just, I, I just got this cool feeling of like this is our church family. And like, this is the culture that we're creating where it's okay to be silly. It's okay not to be perfect. Um, And that's really like a freeing thing. Uh, A lot of us probably come from church backgrounds where the demand on volunteers is like really high. And the, the vision is like, Hey, we serve an excellent God. So we're going to do things with excellence, which is cool. Like that's a totally great way to do church. If that's, what you want to do, that's great. But uh, we just kind of wanted to chill a little bit at different. And like, you know, our projector screen was crooked this week and no big deal. And uh, yeah, so anyway, just thank you so much for helping to create this uh, this culture in this church family. Um, you, you mean the world. Only one real announcement. Uh, we're still collecting toys for one more week for Reach St. Pete. So bring an unwrapped toy to church this Sunday and we will donate it to someone who could use it. Uh, I think that's it. There's there's not really a whole lot else to tell you about. Uh, we are launching into uh, December this next Sunday, and we're going to start doing Christmas music. 
uh, two songs every week, and then the 19th is going to be all Christmas, all day. That's the day to wear like your ugly sweater and your Santa hat and all that stuff. Um, it's going to be awesome. We've got some really cool things planned. You don't want to miss it. And uh, before we completely blow past the fact that November's over, this past week was Thanksgiving. And as I already said, I'm super thankful for you. Hopefully you had a really amazing Thanksgiving and a, a peaceful one and a delicious one. We all know Hannah did. Um, I had the best Thanksgiving. I was talking to Josiah. That's my, he's attached to me, if you're wondering. Um, we had some unexpected visitors, which is fine because we cook way too much food because Thanksgiving. Um, and nobody said anything offensive. <laughs> nobody was tense. None of the kids melted down. Like, it was fine. Everybody was really happy. And then everybody left, and I was like, I feel like that's what Thanksgiving was supposed to feel like. This is amazing. Um, and I get, like, Thanksgiving can be difficult sometimes. Like, maybe you're not with your blood family, or you will have your chosen family, or maybe Thanksgiving is kind of a complicated holiday also sometimes. Um, we've done a great job at, like, erasing the history of our indigenous neighbors. So we have a lot of things to repent for as a country. But... Two things can be true at once, right? Like we have things that we can work through and can be complicated and we can be really happy and thankful to just be with each other and hopefully not, you know, have a tense, awkward Thanksgiving. So let's see. We are talking about a passage in the New Testament today. It's from a tiny little book called First Thessalonians, which is actually widely regarded as the first letter that Paul ever wrote. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, if you're not aware. Um, and today we have a few verses from one of these first ever things that he wrote to a little baby church in the town of Thessalonica. So we're going to read them together, and then we'll discuss. This is 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13. This is Paul talking. How could we ever thank God enough for all the wonderful joy that we feel before our God because of you? Every day and night, we sincerely and fervently pray that we may see you face to face and furnish you with whatever may be lacking in your faith. Now may our Father God and precious Lord Jesus guide our steps on a path straight back to you. And may the Lord increase your love until it overflows toward one another and for all people, just as our love overflows for you. Then your hearts will be strengthened in holiness so that you may be flawless and pure before the face of God, the face of our God and Father at the appearing of our Lord Jesus with all his holy ones. Amen. Y'all aren't very gospel, are you? <laughs> I need some amens, okay? Like, I understand all of us are like a little bit evangelical flavor, come from a lot of traditions. Okay, I grew up Pentecostal, and every once in a while, I need a good amen. amen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One thing I immediately notice in these verses is like, Paul's being really nice. Paul, if you read the New Testament, can get pretty intense sometimes. Like, he's like very like, <gasps> all the time. Um, but here, he's like really genuinely happy and like full of love for these people. He starts by saying, like, how could I ever thank God enough for you? And these people in this little church, they're like so dear to him. They brought him so much joy. He, they can't, he can't even find the words for how grateful he is. And I have a few of those people in my life. You guys are on the list. <laughs> I have to say that, but also I mean it. <laughs> okay, so um, I have an activity for us today. We don't normally do activities in church, but we're doing one. I feel like I messed up the microphone. Does it sound okay out there? Okay, everybody take out your phone. I know you have it on you, so participate. participate. Open a notes app, some kind of app where you can write something down, because we're going to write a couple of names down. 
We're going to write the names down of four, possibly four people. So my question for you is, number one, who is the person in your life that brings you the most joy? Like just anytime you're around them, you are so happy. Picture them in your mind and write their name down. If your partner is with you, like if you're not writing their name down, you better hide your phone. <laughs> Next, who is the person in your life that you feel safest around? You can show up as your full self. No restrictions, no pretending, no matter what. They love you anyways. Picture them in your mind and just write their name down. Then, who is someone who really invested in you, like loved you, made a difference in your life when you were younger? Whether that was a kid, like teenager, college, sometime when you were younger, someone really like showed up for you in a big way. Write their name down too. And finally, who is a person that you love dearly, that you are a safe safe, safe space for? that you are like investing in their life. Okay, you can put your phones down. So after the service, this is your activity. If you have the contact information for these people, send them a text or call them as long as you have their information. Now I understand like maybe if you put someone down who passed away or like was it someone who invested in you as a child, it was a teacher, you may not have a reason or be able to contact them. Um, so just like hold them in your heart and give thanks, right? But if you have a phone number for these people, I want you to send them a text. And if you're a talker, pick up the phone. Um, check in with them, ask them about their life. Tell them they've made a difference in your life and that you appreciate them. For the person that you love, that you are a safe space for, tell them how much you love them. Tell them they matter and that your life is better because they're in it. And that might seem like silly or weird or like you might be tempted to just be like, no, it's fine. I talked to that person yesterday or I haven't talked to that person in a long time. It's not, no. If you feel uncomfortable, everyone take, breathe, okay? Just breathe, it's okay. Um, send the text anyway because people need to know that they've made a difference in your life. You're like, you don't know just how meaningful one contact from you could be to someone who's having a hard day or a hard year, um, or maybe they're having a wonderful day and you telling them that they're great is like just the icing on the cake. You improve their day so much. Tell people that they matter because it's important. And just like Paul was doing to his dear friends, he's like, I, you are so important to me. And I love these little happy, hopeful verses because they're also a benediction. And we do that at the end of every service. It's kind of like a cross between a blessing and a prayer. Um, but a benediction is like a transition. It's a transition space. So it sends us with God's blessing from our ordered like community faith space where everything has an order and we have songs and we sit and we sing and et cetera. And it sends us out into the chaos, <laughs> which sometimes is our world or always. And Paul says to them, may, your, may the Lord increase your love until it overflows towards all people. 
Like we're called to do the best we can, I think, in living lives that are pleasing to God. Like sometimes we struggle because we're human, of course, but we can still be grateful for all the things we have cooperated with God in doing and partnered with God in doing in our lives, in other people's lives, for the entire world, and live in confidence that God will not let us go. The poet Tennyson said this line. He said, not one life will be destroyed. We're cast as rubbish to the void. My emo teenage self really loved poetry. <laughs> um, it's specifically like the older the poet, the better. I was like, oh yes, this person is from the 1600s. I don't need any of this modern rubbish because I didn't know what I was talking about because I was like 16. Um, now I understand, you know, don't be a snob about something you know nothing about. <laughs> but Tennyson was one of the poets that I used to read and he lived in the 1800s. And he wrote like all kinds of beautiful pieces, but there is one that I think fits today so perfectly and I just wanna share it with you. And that line that I just read came from this poem. And I think this poem is really powerful. So this is what it says, and you can follow along on the screen. Oh, yet we trust that somehow good will be the final end of ill. To pangs of nature, sins of will, defects of doubt, and taints of blood. That nothing walks with aimless feet that not one life will be destroyed or cast as rubbish to the void when God has made the pile complete. That not a worm is split in vain, that not a moth with vain desire is shriveled in a fruitless fire or only serves another's gain. Behold, we know not anything. I can but trust that good shall fall at last far off, at last to all, and every winter change to spring. So when's my dream? But what am I? An infant crying in the night, an infant crying for the light, and with no language but a cry. I think this is beautiful because his dream is that nothing is in vain. And I feel like most of the time, it feels like a lot of what we're doing is useless. We could just go to work to make money, which can feel useless. And then we like get up and have our coffee and do all the lifes and clean the kitchen for the hundred thousandth time. And like, it's clean the toilet and then there's family coming over and they're gonna find the thing you didn't clean. And then like, it's just like a never ending cycle of uselessness. But he says, no, nothing's in vain. No one is discarded. No one is lost after all. Even if redemption is far off, it will come. No, none of the wandering around that we do in life is actually aimless. We all have a purpose, after all. We don't just exist to consume things and consume each other and then die. Good will be the end, not evil. And actually, my favorite part of the poem is the last verse where he says, what am I? An infant crying in the night, an infant crying for the light, and with no language but a cry. He's saying essentially like, this is my dream, but what do I know? I'm just a baby. <laughs> I'm a baby crying in frustration and desperate to get out of here. But to me, that's actually the point, right? Like we all know deep down that the world shouldn't be like it is. But we're searching for something. We're reaching for something. The death, that we know that death and pain aren't what we're made for. Someone's listening to us. If we're screaming in the void, someone is listening. To me, the very knowledge we have that things shouldn't be like this, that things should be different, is the proof that we're looking for. Like if I hand you a counterfeit $100 bill, you're gonna be like, what the heck? You're not gonna say $100 bills don't exist because that's a ridiculous thing. Like you, we know, we know it exists. 
The counterfeit, the distortion, doesn't mean that the good doesn't exist. It just means we actually know deep down what it should be like. And I think it's much the same with us. The sadness and pain and evil and stuff we experience in life that upsets us so much, we know it doesn't have to be like that. We know that pain is not what we were made for. And we know we've all experienced good too. Like none of us can say our our life has sucked. From day one, nothing was ever good. The end. No, (laughs) right, we can't say that because we've all experienced good and hope and grace and love and affirmation. And like, this is what I'll leave you with and y'all can come back up if you want. Um, Perhaps, as Tennyson said, we are infants crying in the night and we have no language but crying. But if that is true, then I'm even more convinced that we're being listened to and cared for. My baby will be one year old in like two weeks which I'm all up in my feelings about, let me tell you. I can't honestly, like, even imagine, like, it's been a year? Has it been a year? This has been the longest, shortest, best, worst, um, most impossible, most magical, (laughs) most beautiful, brutal year of my life. (laughs) And she mostly sleeps through the night now, but when she was tiny, like, nighttime was her witching hour. Like, when I say that she turned into a small demon, Like, and when she was born, she had black eyes. So like, she looked like a tiny demon. Um, Like she would just cry and cry and cry like for hours. It's fine. (laughs) Like sometimes, it could be for any reason, right? Sometimes she was overtired because you know, you think when babies are really tired, they'll go to sleep. No, oh no. If a baby is too tired, they are incapable of sleeping. She could have been too tired. She could have been hungry. She might've needed a diaper change. Sometimes she was growing. Sometimes her brain was on fire. I don't know. Um, Sometimes she was just desperate to not be alone because she had been like in a really small, contained, happy space for nine months. (laughs) And then she was like, no, everything's terrible. I'm like, oh, same girl. (laughs) It doesn't get any better from here. (laughs) But like, it, it felt so impossible. And I was so tired, like I couldn't even think straight. But not once did I leave her to cry. Not once. And side note, I wrote this before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was like so delightful, as I mentioned, until everyone left. And then um, she started getting two teeth. And then she cried for two hours instead of sleeping. (laughs) So, and then repeated it the next day. So, you know, have some kids. You'll love it. But guess what? I wanted to go to bed. I was tired. It had been a long day. I had like hit my limit of peopling. Did I leave her to cry? No. No, not once in this whole year have I, has I left her to cry, to be alone in her sadness or whatever's going on. Crying is her only way of communicating. And I responded to her every time. And I, like this year has been kind of hard in a lot of ways, I think, for most of us. And I have felt like I'm doing like a mediocre job at like a lot of things. But there is one thing I am not doing a mediocre job at and it is being a mom. Like I'm doing a pretty kick butt job at that. Jared doesn't know. (laughs) But I appreciate the vote of confidence. (laughs) Whenever she's cried for a year, I've been there, right? And if I, a human, with all my faults and flaws and anxieties, 
if I would not dream of not responding to her when she's upset, when she needs me, how much more can we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God would not dream of not responding to us? If I, a self-proclaimed good mom, <laughs> act in this way, like with love and care toward my child, how much more can we know definitively that God is going to act in love and care towards us? Like it says in multiple places in the Bible that, that like God is an even better parent to us than we could ever possibly be to our children. God will not leave us to cry. Even if the reason is we're hungry, <laughs> hangry, or overwhelmed, we're dealing with grief, or overstimulated, or overtired, or our brains feel like they're on fire. Even, no matter what the reason is, even then we can know and be absolutely assured that not one life will be destroyed or cast as rubbish to the void. So if you're feeling some kind of way, like your family, you know, you didn't have a nice, tension-free, delightful Thanksgiving, sorry. <laughs> God hears you. If you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and then your baby screamed in your face for two hours, God hears you. If you're not where you thought you would be in life, you feel like you're missing something, God hears you. God hears you. You are not alone. Your life is valuable, not just to the people around you. Someone is listening. And for that, I think we can collectively give thanks. So we have two more songs. I just invite you to stand, and then I'll come back and give you a benediction. And then, then it'll be Christmas time. <laughs>